0: welcome welcome to another edition of fixin to talk sports i am your host ryan brown and today is another edition of ryan's wrestling recap today i'm going to be going solo to recap recent events in both wwe and aew we'll touch on new japan pro wrestling as well at the end but the main focus today will be catching up on events that have taken place over the last month or two in the world of WWE and all elite wrestling. Let's get started with the world of WWE. They've had a couple of pay-per-view events recently, mainly being Extreme Rules back in September and Crown Jewel, which just took place recently here in October. Extreme Rules last month was a... Good but not great show. Solid across the board. Nothing really that was bad, but also nothing that was great. Uh, you had a six man tag featuring the brand new WWE champion, Biggie, and his new day comrades picking up a win over the former WWE champion, Bobby Lashley, and AJ Styles and Omos. Uh, it was a good opener, but again, as I mentioned already it wasn't great nothing crazy happened or anything like that but it was a good opening to the show got you invested and wanting things to continue and pick up and build off of uh, the theme of the night was champions retaining across the board there were several titles defended and the champions in one way or another uh, found a way to successfully retain uh, two of note were Becky Lynch made, retaining her SmackDown Women's Championship. She took on Bianca Belair. It was a pretty good match. but uh, At the end, we got interference from a returning Sasha Banks and threw the match out the door. So match ended in disqualification. Kind of preserved both Becky and Bianca. Bianca couldn't afford another loss after the uh, disappointing title loss at SummerSlam and Lynch in her first title defense couldn't afford to really lose either. So they kind of backed them, booked themselves into a corner here and the way out was to have bring Sasha back into the mix and have her run interference and throw the match out. Uh, And then in your main event, you saw, Universal champion Roman Reign, survived the demon Finn Balor in uh, interesting circumstances. Uh, it was a very, very weird ending. It was a great match. It, I, I was a pretty good to damn near great match. But the, it, the ending is what really soiled it for me and many others. What was a great Extreme Rules match? The, the finish just did not did not pull its weight. And obviously, they are trying to protect the Demon by having a fluky finish. Um, and they're not ready to take the, the championship away from Roman Reigns quite yet. But I feel like they could have come up with so many other avenues than the way they did, which was to have the top rope just conveniently explode and cause the baller to fall off, and then set up Reigns to spear him for the second time. It just and it, in, and in prior to that, you had de- uh, the f- demons' music playing to sort of resuscitate him and and bring him back to life. it, it, it was it just went from corny to really dumb real quick, and kind of just soiled what was a great match to that point and just kind of ruined it for me. Uh, But, you know, it's not the first time that we've seen some wonky ass finish uh, to a WWE match. And it certainly won't be the last. So I'm not going to take away too much from that, but it, again, it, it just left you just shaking your head and just being like, these, these guys just never seem, to just get out of their own way. And it is what it is. Uh, but a good, not great card across the board. Uh, certainly was not a defining moment for WWE. It wasn't a turning point in the, the balance of power, so to speak. But maybe Crown Jewel could be that. Crown Jewel featured some matches that right before the new rosters took place and more, I'll get into the WWE draft uh, in just a a little bit here. So Crown Jewel kind of felt like the end all first, plenty of feuds. You had tournament finals for both King of the Ring and the Queen's Crown. You had the trilogy match for Edge and Seth Rollins inside Hell of a Cell. You had Roman Reigns, versus Brock Lesnar for, I think the fourth time, uh, for the universal championship. And you had Becky Lynch defending the SmackDown women's championship against both Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. What we got was more of the same from extreme rules. All the champions retained all four titles that were defended were successfully retained, uh, Edge and Rollins kicked off Crown Jewel inside Hell in a Cell. And this was a masterful performance from these two. The The first match at SummerSlam, as well as their rematch uh, at Madison Square Garden on SmackDown, were both great. And this one was just as great, if not even better. Uh, I think it was the right choice to kick off the show because it just it was just amazing start to finish. Uh, So many callbacks to spots from their rivalry over the last few months. And it seemed, and I even, I even liked the finish, which, because it's not something that you would have expected uh, whatsoever in that edge, you Seth Rollins finish in the curb stomp to put Rollins down for the three count did not expect that didn't see it coming, but it was a pleasant surprise. One, And whenever you can be surprised in the world of professional wrestling, you take it as long as it's not stupid. So Edge Rollins 3, uh, another classic trilogy. And hopefully they'll put this on the back burner for plenty of time. And maybe somewhere down the road, we can revisit it and get a fourth edition to it. Uh, But a great way to end that feud. Uh, will be interesting, though, as both Edge and Rollins ended up on the same brand. More on that in just a bit. With the King of the Ring and the Queen's Crown tournaments, you got Xavier Woods defeating Finn Balor and Selena Vega defeating Dewdrop to become the respective King of the Ring and Queen Crown winners. Uh, the Queen's Crown tournament, which was its first uh, edition of it, kind of left a lot to be desired. It was an eight-woman tournament four from Smackdown four from raw just as king of the ring was but the average match time for the seven matches was I think three or four minutes that's that's just not gonna do it and there were definitely while there were some surprising results I didn't expect Vega and Dewdrop to be the final so I'll give them credit there but I just there was nothing to write home about. This, this tournament was literally the sole purpose was for to give Selena the title of Queen Selena. And hopefully she's able to run with it and make something of it. But if not, then nothing was really acrom- accomplished in the Queen's Crown Tournament. For terms of King of the Ring, this is kind of Xavier Woods' crowning moment as a singles competitor. We've seen Kofi Kingston... And Big E get theirs. Most notably Big E recently becoming WWE champion. Kofi became champion, WWE champion, a couple years ago at WrestleMania. And now this has seemed like Xavier Woods' sort of moment in the single spotlight. So good for him. It was a good tournament final match. The tournament itself was hit or miss. Some of the matches were solid. Some of them could have been left something to be desired. But... All in all, I'm not going to complain too much about uh, the tournament and the tournament results. Uh, And hopefully Xavier, just like Zelina, can run with the mantle of King Xavier. And I'm interested to see how the both of them are able to go moving forward. With the SmackDown Women's Championship triple threat, it it got plenty of time. Let's just start with that. It got almost maybe too much time, but it got plenty of time to tell a story and make it work. It was, it was a little slow to get get things going, but once it kind of settled, once the three of them settled into a groove, things got going in no time. And it ended with, with uh, Becky Lynch retaining and using the ropes to help roll up and secure victory on Sasha Banks. So, like once again, Belair is protected and they use a cheap finish to sort of help protect Banks as well. Um, I don't like that once again, they had to, with the, the WWE draft results looming and taking effect the very next night on SmackDown, that when they booked themselves into a spot where they could have made a definitive moment and sort of gotten and not have to do a title swap, which is let's just get into that part. One part of the WWE draft that I hated is once again, they did a title swap where two champions on one champion on raw and SmackDown were drafted to the other show. And rather than them lose to someone that was going to be on the show that they were going to, they merely just exchange their championships. And I think that is just pointless and it just makes the titles worth less than they should be. And so with this triple threat at Crown Jewel, you have Lynch and Bel Air both going to Raw, but they're competing for the SmackDown Women's Championship. It just seemed like an easy way for Sasha Banks to pick up a big win having returned from after her returning from uh, post-SummerSlam and they just opted to keep the belt on Lynch just like they opted to keep the belt on Flair when she defended on Bianca Belair, the Raw before Crown Jewel. You could have easily had Belair pick up a big win over Charlotte and you could have had Banks pick up a big win over Becky Lynch in a triple threat. And you could have even had Banks defeat Belair, who was already the champion. And that way you protect Lynch. Yes, Belair takes the loss, but she's the champion and she can build back up with the, the belt. Uh so I feel like there was just a missed opportunity with the smack with just the women's singles titles in general here. But still, the triple threat was a really good match and very much enjoyable throughout. In the main event, we saw the fourth edition of Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. This time, Roman Reigns is the defending champion, defending the universal title. Uh, and this time, Paul Heyman is by Roman Reigns' side. Or is he? That was still the big question that did not get answered during this show. End of the match. Saw... Paul Heyman with universal title in hand, just toss it into the middle of the ring between Roman and Brock and just say, you know what to do with it and just kind of adding another layer to all of the kind of conspicuous comments where he's Heyman has not been taking any sides for the most part in his comments And kind of leaving it up to whether or not he is still kind of behind the scenes working in tandem with Lesnar is where who he was the former advocate of, or if he's still Roman Reigns main man, the wise man for Roman Reigns. Uh, Lesnar ended up grabbing the title belt and winning a tug of war with Roman only to turn around and eat a double super kick from the Usos, the SmackDown tag team champions and part of the bloodline with Roman, setting up Roman to hit a second spear on Lesnar and secure the victory. Uh, Again, nothing was really solved here in this match, and there are still more questions than answers. Uh, it was a solid showing from these two again, but when you're on the fourth edition of your ma- of your head-to-head series, and yes, this one had the the element of the the new element of Paul Heyman being on Roman Reigns' side, or is he? That at least brought some intrigue to the match. But in terms of the match itself, it wasn't much different than prior editions. so this one's gonna have to be very storyline driven in order to kind of drum up interest in it because at some point there seems to be another showdown between the two looming because again nothing was solved that means we're getting reigns lesnar five and i think we've it's it's to the point where we've beaten it down so many times that and we know that they can put on good to very good matches together but they're not really changing a whole lot in terms of the match build so when you're seeing roughly the same sort of match each time just maybe the story is a little bit different or the amount of finishers it takes to win in each time changes it doesn't, it doesn't really do it from an in-ring perspective. So going to have to be very story-driven. And that's what this past edition was. So we'll take it. But uh, hopefully, if there is a rematch down the line, it's going to have to continue to be heavily driven by storyline. Now, I want to get into... The draft. We already started by talking about how the women's singles titles were just swapped, um, but realistically, outside of even that, I don't even know if you would call that a shock. But there really weren't any shockers in the draft this year, and that kind of sucks because uh, back in the day when they started doing these brand split drafts uh they they used to do some sort of shocking draft pick or some sort of shocking moment uh something that would really just blow your mind and i feel like the draft has just gotten very complacent and there's really no point to it other than just announcing oh you're you're they're honestly better just showing having the the ros- not even announcing the rosters and once you say that the draft has been done just having wrestler X or wrestler Y just show up to their new brand and just seeing how it is that they're honestly better off doing it that way. Uh, because there really weren't any shockers. You get raw raw gets Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, edge, Kevin Owens, and the Mysterios just to name a few from SmackDown. So that's a pretty impressive haul for Monday night. Raw. Um, I think if there was anything, uh, close to a shocker, uh, it would probably be that Bianca Belair makes the move from SmackDown to raw. But I think even that was, was somewhat expected given that Belair has already had a title run with the SmackDown women's championship already dropped the title and has seemingly run through most of that had run through most of that edition of the, the women's roster. SmackDown on the other hand gets Drew McIntyre, The New Day's Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, Charlotte Flair, Shayna Baszler, Sheamus, uh, as well as Jeff Hardy and Ricochet, just to name a few from Raw. Uh, again, another that's that's a pretty good list. Uh, but the move from McIntyre was very much expected. I think if anything, the biggest shocker, uh, or if anything, was hit Row got drafted from NXT to SmackDown. Um, I didn't think that was in the cards, but looks like Hit Row's time on NXT is going to be short-lived, and they're already going to head up to the main roster. Can't wait to see that. Big things. I, I expect big things from Hit Row once they, they hit the scene on SmackDown. The other big note from the WWE draft is the women's tag team division. It was already pretty weak beforehand uh, between Raw and SmackDown, and now it is non-existent. They broke up virtually all of the remaining teams outside of the tag team champions. And even the tag team champions in Rhea Ripley and Nikki A.S.H., I mean, that's just, a again, another thrown-together team that just happened to win the belts. And so they're, they're a team just... For the sake of being champions, WWE needs is going to need to find some tag teams in the women's ranks. Otherwise, these belts are just going to be a never ending parade of two singles competitors being thrown together for the time being just to so that they can have a championship run. And I don't think that's what the tag team division is all about. And I don't think that serves any purpose to the women's division it makes those titles pointless i won't say worthless but it makes it pointless to have women's tag team champions if you're not even going to have any permanent tag teams so they've got some work to do in that division for sure and there's plenty of talent in nxt that they could surely bring up to help make that uh to help sort of remedy that problem I think that's all my WWE notes for now. So let's move on to AEW. They had their Grand Slam event at Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York City back in September, and the headliner was a non-title matchup between AEW World Champion Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson making his in-ring debut in AEW. And this one opened the show, which... Was an interesting but yet very good uh, decision, just like Edge and Rollins at, at for Crown Jewel. This one went to a thirty limit time limit draw in what was an outstanding opener to the show. This this one, if you got a stars rankings, give it all the stars. Uh, just a hard hitting affair, start to finish. Uh, neither one was able to get the job done and it obviously leaves the door open for a rematch somewhere down the road. The only question is how long is it going to take for Danielson to get a second crack at Omega and in that in that second crack being for the AEW World Championship. Uh, other notes from Grand Slam, Malachi Black and Cody had their second match and Malachi Black, after squashing Cody in the first edition. Here in the rematch, he uses Black Mist uh, in the face of Cody to win and pick up another big win. Uh, Cody uh, doing a good job here of not only protecting himself, but putting Black over. Uh, Black goes up 2-0 in this head-to-head series and looks all the stronger for it. Uh, he, Cody does not seem to get that. Uh, he's not, he's just not going to be a baby face. He's not going to be a good guy. Uh, he wants to be a good guy so bad. And the crowd is just so over it. And by over, it, I mean, they're done. They, they, he is getting booed now, uh, pretty much wherever they go by ev- all the different crowds. And, uh, as much as he thinks he'll never be a bad guy again, uh, I would highly recommend <laughs> if I were involved with the company that he just bite the bullet here and just lean into the dark side a little bit here. He might actually get the crouches that he's looking for if he did, but I don't think he, he's willing to do that. And so Cody goes down to Malachi Black again in their rematch. And in the main event of Grand Slam, You had Dr. Britt Baker, DMD taking on number one contender and winner of the Casino Battle Royale back from all out, Ruby Soho. And the numbers advantage came to bite Soho, and Baker was able to take advantage and retain her women's world title. It was a good match for – it was a good main event uh, And it sets up the fact that Soho, it protects her in that she didn't while she did technically lose clean in the middle of the ring, there was all sorts of distractions outside of the ring from uh, Reba or Rebel and as well as Jamie Hader. And that allowed for Baker to pick up another big win against another, another top star. And, gives Ru- ruby soho the out of well i had her beat if it wasn't for the nonsense at ringside so uh i'm sure soho will get another crack at the world title at some point the course the only question is when because currently her focus will now turn to the tbs title tournament uh AEW announced that they are introducing a secondary women's singles championship. And that will sort of like how the men have the TNT championship. The women will have the TBS championship and AEW is running a 12 women championship tournament to crown their first ever TBS champion. Uh, and that will be crowned. Uh, I believe, uh, probably by the end of the year, they haven't announced many of the dates for when the matches will actually take place. Uh, The, there are four first round buys were handed out and those were to the women ranked numbers two through five. Uh, Obviously the woman who is ranked number one, Tay Conti. She is getting a championship match against Dr. Britt Baker at AEW's next pay-per-view which will be full gear next month, November. uh, I believe it's November the 13th on pay-per-view. So the other four women in the top five rankings received first round buys into the quarterfinals. Uh, The other eight competitors in the tournament will compete in first round matches. Uh, We've already seen Ruby Soho advance with a win over Penelope Ford, and she will take on, Chris Statlander in her quarterfinal matchup. I think when I'm looking at the brackets here, the other first round matchups include Anna J versus Jamie Hayter, the Bunny versus Red Velvet, and Serena Deeb in a rematch from the homecoming show earlier this month against Hiraku Shida uh, or Hikaru Shida. Ah, geez. Messed up that one. Anywho, I think the most interesting first round matchup has to be Deep versus Sheeta. The homecoming match. Deep used nefarious means to win that one and deny Sheeta her fiftieth win in AEW. And I think her leaning into her villainous side is can only mean that she's bound for big things here in this tournament. And I think uh, we, but. The, the, the thing about that is I'm not sure. That's what I think it should happen. If you're going to turn her right before the tournament and then have her run a rematch with the person she turned heel on, I can only assume that that means big things are in store for her. But I think the, the biggest thing about to take away from the TBS title tournament is the unpredictability of it. Yes, Ruby Soho is probably going to make a deep run in this, But her quarterfinal matchup is going up against the woman who challenged for the AEW Women's World title at the last pay-per-view, back it All Out, who was undefeated at the time in Chris Statlander. So I wouldn't be surprised if Statlander beat Soho. But at the same time, it feels like Soho has to make a deep run to sort of be on on a redemption run, so to speak, to get her back in the mix for a championship, so I which which gives out there. The only time will tell. In, in the other quarterfinals, uh, the other first-round buys were handed out to Thunder Rosa, Jade Cargill, and Nyla Rose. You have Jade Cargill, who's been undefeated, making quick work of all of her opponents so far. She's going to get either the Bunny or Red Velvet. If she gets Red Velvet, that's a rematch for her uh, from, I believe, Rampage about a month or two ago. And while I would presume Jade Cargill is going to make a deep run in this, I don't know that maybe that the plan is for Jade Cargill to make a run and then come up just a short, just a bit short, and then move on to the women's world title picture. Uh, But again, who knows? Serena Deeb Sheeta, the winner of that one, faces Nyla Rose. We've already seen Nyla Rose versus Sheeta, not only for the women's world title uh, once, but twice. So I think that another another round of Sheeta Rose shouldn't be in the cards. But Sheeta getting her 50th win at the expense of Serena Deeb, who initially denied her and and turned heel in the process of that. Could also be a big one. So, again, I don't know who's going to win that one. And I would assume that the winner will beat Nyla Rose. But AEW seems to have uh, – seems to very much hold Nyla Rose to a high level uh, of – a high. St- they have uh, very – they believe in her very strongly. And so, she uh, – in previous tournaments, she has done very well. So, uh, again, I would not be surprised – if she ran, if Nyla Rose had a deep run in this tournament. And then the winner of Anna Jay and Jamie Hayter will take on Thunder Rosa. I, I'm i pretty confident that Thunder Rosa will beat the winner of, of that first round matchup. But then when she gets to the semifinals, presumptively against Jade Cargill, uh, that's a complete toss up for me. I, I don't know who wins that one. Likewise, even the winner of Statland or Soho, I don't know if they're going to beat whoever comes out of the, their end of the bracket, whether it's Sheeta, Deeb, Rose. I, I have no clue. Um, so I think that's the best thing about this tournament is that I have very little idea who's going to win most of these matchups. And that's all you can really ask for. As I said earlier, unpredictability is the best thing that professional wrestling can do. But that is not the only tournament that AEW is running right now. They also have their... They have also brought back their World Title uh, Eliminator Tournament. And that bracket has been released. It is an eight-man tournament, just as it was last year. Interesting to note that last year's World Title Eliminator Tournament Final was Kenny Omega beating Hangman Page. And those two, obviously Kenny went on to beat mock John Moxley for the world title. And now Omega defends that world title against Hangman Adam Page at this year's edition of Full Gear. So very good long-term storytelling here by AEW. Uh, but that means... That this year's world title eliminator tournament final will also go down at full gear. And it's obviously a world title opportunity is at stake for the winner of this tournament. Looking at the bracket, it it seems like a John Moxley versus Brian Danielson final is inevitable here. Uh, So far in the quarterfinal matchups, we have seen Brian Danielson defeat Dustin Rhodes in what was another. Very good, if not great match from Danielson. We also saw Eddie Kingston defeat Lance Archer after Lance Archer had a bit of a botch on his uh, moonsault attempt from the top rope, kind of spiked his head, uh, looked to be down for the count. Kingston just rolled him up real quick to end the match. Uh, Hopefully Lance Archer is okay. Nothing but the best for him. That Eddie Kingston will move on and take on Brian Danielson in this in a semifinal matchup. On the other side of the bracket, we've already seen Orange Cassidy defeat Powerhouse Hobbs. He will take on the winner of John Moxley and The Dark Orders Ten. So most likely, we're going to see John Moxley versus Orange Cassidy, as well as Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston. I I again. With Kingston already having having gotten his world title opportunity, as well as Orange Cassidy, it seems and John Moxley still looking for his rematch. Uh, or well, he did get a rematch, but again, he was kind of screwed out of it. Uh, I want it, it will be. It's just it just seems inevitable here that we're gonna get John Moxley versus Brian Danielson at full gear in the finals of this tournament, but that will be an absolute banger of a matchup and I cannot wait for it. Other AEW notes uh, over the past month or two. Recently, we just saw FTR uh, defeat the Lucha brothers who were not only the AEW world tag team champions, but the AAA tag titles uh, were in their possession. But FTR recently beat... The Lucha Bros for their AAA tag titles. It only seems, uh, again, that they're inevitable that these two will have a rematch and it, the rematch will likely be for the AEW tag team championships. Personally, if this match, if this rematch takes place at full gear, I want both titles on the line. Uh, I think that's kind of selfish of me, but at the same time, when you're you've got a when you've got two teams going up against each other and both of them have have their own tag team championships, it just feels like if one is on the line, the others should be as well. And that's one of the kind of sticking points that I haven't uh, one of the few things I haven't liked about all Elite Wrestling is they've been partnering with other companies, which has been absolutely fantastic. Whether it's been Impact, New Japan triple uh, a you name it but if you're gonna bring those titles into your company whether or not whether it's your wrestlers in AEW winning those titles or somebody from their company coming over with those titles i feel like if you're gonna have one of your own titles on the line there should be on the line as well um but that remains to be seen probably won't happen, but I'm sure as hell would love it. If, if we saw title for title on pay-per-view, uh, speaking of wrestlers from other companies, Minoru Suzuki was back in action on all Elite wrestling, uh, television waves or YouTube, so to speak, taking on Brian Danielson. This match was incredible. I cannot believe they handed this out for free. Uh, not only was it not even on TV, it was just on YouTube. It, it was an absolute incredible match. Start to finish 25 minutes or so of just absolute brutality. And there, it, there was no tables, no ladders, no chairs. It was just beating the hell out of each other. And I enjoyed every second of it. So shout out to those two. Brian Danielson has just been putting out bangers ever since coming to all the wrestling, uh, and hopefully that will continue uh, for the rest of his run here in all the wrestling. And lastly, uh, I, I'm interested in my, my boy CM Punk. He's making his Dynamite in-ring debut uh, shortly against Bobby Fish. Bobby Fish coming over from NXT uh, after the recent wave of releases there. Uh, Bobby Fish has... Had some solid matches with some up and coming talents, um, and now he gets a big time match against the best in the world on TNT AW Dynamite. I can't wait for that one. I don't, I'm not gonna call it Punk's first big test, uh, on TV, but I think we're getting to that point where he's going to start to have some matchups where the thought might creep in of, Oh, maybe he's going to lose this one. I don't think this is, I don't think Bobby fish necessarily represents that quite yet, but we're, we're, we're starting to move the needle in that direction of whether of wondering if punk is going to actually win the match or not. And lastly, before we wrap up, I would be remiss if I did not, mention a little new Japan pro wrestling note, the G one climax 31 tournament recently wrapped up and it ended the same way. It began with unfortunate injury Uh, at the beginning of the tournament. One of their mainstays, one of their superstars Tetsuya Naito went down with a knee injury. It was bad enough to the point where he had to be removed from the tournament entirely and had to forfeit all of his matches uh, outside of the first one, which was very much a shame, but the tournament final saw Kota Ibushi looking to win his third straight G1 climax against uh, mainstay Kazuchika Okada. And at, towards the end of the match, Ibushi went for a Phoenix splash and landed awkwardly on his shoulder, appeared to dislocate it, and was unable to continue the matchup, thus bringing the final to a screeching halt and handing Kazuchika Okada the G1 tournament final victory. Uh, That means Kazuchika Okada has earned a IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match for the upcoming Wrestle Kingdom pay-per-view in January. Uh, but surely, if Abushi is able to recover in time, they will run it back properly uh, before then. But if not, it looks like Okada's first challenger for, the, for his title shot at Wrestle Kingdom will be the Bullet Club's uh, Tamatanga, who was the only person who was able to beat Okada during the G1. Uh, so, unfortunately, the G1 ended the same way it began with unfortunate injury. Um, but hopefully, Abushi is able to make a quick and speedy recovery and so they can run it back and have him back in time at the very least for Wrestle Kingdom. But I think that's going to do it for this edition of Ryan's Wrestling Recap and Fixing to Talk Sports. So, for Ryan Brown... We will see you next time. Go do.